Real news. All right. Welcome, everyone, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori. So today is March 12, 2020. And for some reason, I'm on hyperspeed. <laughs> I'm feeling that it was Friday already um, as of yesterday, which means the dilation loop that we've been in, this lull that we've been in has finally come to an end. And now things are speeding up. Um, we have so much to talk about. Um, that I don't even know where to start today. It's um, It was pretty incredible to see uh, the president do exactly what we assumed and talked about uh, yesterday morning on air, which is to put out an announcement about the FISA Act or, and or coronavirus to shut it down. Uh, so FISA, <laughs> we're going to talk about that. And we're going to talk about coronavirus. And we're going to talk about what he told us during the conference. And, and we're going to talk about the Irish prime minister in the house right now, talking with our president. And we're going to talk about viruses. Um, and not so much the coronavirus, but another virus that I hear is starting to threaten California. So before we do that, I want us to listen. For those of us that didn't, listen to this incredible speech our president gave yesterday. Tonight, I want to speak with you about our nation's unprecedented response to the coronavirus outbreak that started in China and is now spreading throughout the world. Today, the World Health Organization officially announced that this is a global pandemic. We have been in frequent contact with our allies, and we are marshalling the full power of the federal government and the private sector to protect the American people. This is the most aggressive and comprehensive effort to confront a foreign virus in modern history. I am confident that by counting and continuing to take these tough measures, we will significantly reduce the threat to our citizens, and we will ultimately and expeditiously defeat this virus. From the beginning of time, nations and people have faced unforeseen challenges, including large-scale and very dangerous health threats. This is the way it always was and always will be. It only matters how you respond, and we are responding with great speed and professionalism. Our team is the best anywhere in the world. At the very start of the outbreak, we instituted sweeping travel restrictions on China and put in place the first federally mandated quarantine in over 50 years. We declared a public health emergency and issued the highest level of travel warning on other countries as the virus spread its horrible infection. And taking early, intense action, we have seen dramatically fewer cases of the virus in the United States than are now present in Europe. The European Union failed to take the same precautions and restrict travel from China and other hotspots. As a result, a large number of new clusters in the United States were seeded by travelers from Europe. After consulting with our top government health professionals, I have decided to take several strong but necessary actions to protect the health and well-being of all Americans, to keep new cases from entering our shores, 
We will be suspending all travel from Europe to the United States for the next 30 days. The new rules will go into effect Friday at midnight. These restrictions will be adjusted subject to conditions on the ground. There will be exemptions for Americans who have undergone appropriate screenings, and these prohibitions will not only apply to the tremendous amount of trade and cargo, but various other things as we get approval. Anything coming from Europe to the United States is what we are discussing. These restrictions will also not apply to the United Kingdom. At the same time, we are monitoring the situation in China and the South Korea. And as their situation improves, we will reevaluate the restrictions and warnings that are currently in place for a possible early opening. Earlier this week, I met with the leaders of health insurance industry who have agreed to waive all co-payments for coronavirus treatments, extend insurance coverage to these treatments, and to prevent surprise medical billing. We are cutting massive amounts of red tape to make antiviral therapies available in record time. These treatments will significantly reduce the impact and reach of the virus. Additionally, last week I signed into law an $8.3 billion funding bill to help CDC and other government agencies fight the virus and support vaccines, treatments, and distribution of medical supplies. Testing and testing capabilities are expanding rapidly day by day. We are moving very quickly. The vast majority of Americans, the risk is very, very low. Young and healthy people can expect to recover fully and quickly if they should get the virus. The highest risk is for elderly population with underlying health conditions. The elderly population must be very, very careful. In particular, we are strongly advising that nursing homes for the elderly suspend all medically unnecessary visits. In general, older Americans should also avoid non-essential travel in crowded areas. My administration is coordinating directly with communities with largest outbreaks, and we have issued guidance on school closures, social distancing, and reducing large gatherings. Smart action today will prevent the spread of the virus tomorrow. Every community faces different risks, and it is critical for you to follow the guidelines of your local officials who are working closely with our federal health experts, and they are the best. For all Americans, it is essential that everyone take extra precautions and practice good hygiene. Each of us has a role to play in defeating this virus. Wash your hands, clean often used surfaces, cover your face and mouth if you sneeze or cough, and most of all, if you are sick or not feeling well, stay home. To ensure that working Americans impacted by the virus can stay home without fear of financial hardship, I will soon be taking emergency action, which is unprecedented, to provide financial relief. This will be targeted for workers who are ill, quarantined, or caring for others due to coronavirus. I will be asking Congress to take legislative action to extend this relief. Because of the economic policies that we have put into place over the last three years, we have the greatest economy anywhere in the world by far. 
Our banks and financial institutions are fully capitalized and incredibly strong. Our unemployment is at a historic low. This vast economic prosperity gives us flexibility, reserves, and resources to handle any threat that comes our way. This is not a financial crisis. This is just a temporary moment of time that we will overcome together as a nation and as a world. However, to provide extra support for American workers, families, and businesses, tonight I am announcing the following additional actions. I am instructing the Small Business Administration to exercise available authority to provide capital and liquidity to firms affected by the coronavirus. Effective immediately, the SBA will begin providing economic loans in affected states and territories. These low-interest loans will help small businesses overcome temporary economic disruptions caused by the virus. To this end, I am asking Congress to increase funding for this program by an additional $50 billion. Using emergency authority, I will be instructing the Treasury Department to defer tax payments without interest or penalties for certain individuals and businesses negatively impacted. This action will provide more than $200 billion of additional liquidity to the economy. Finally, I am calling on Congress to provide Americans with immediate payroll tax relief. Hopefully, they will consider this very strongly. We are at a critical time in the fight against the virus. We made a life-saving move with early action on China. Now we must take the same action with Europe. We will not delay. I will never hesitate to take any necessary steps to protect the lives, health, and safety of the American people. I will always put the well-being of America first. If we are vigilant and we can reduce the chance of infection, which we will, we will significantly impede the transmission of the virus. The, the virus will not have a chance against us. No nation is more prepared or more resilient than the United States. We have the best economy, the most advanced healthcare, and the most talented doctors, scientists, and researchers anywhere in the world. We are all in this together. We must put politics aside, stop the partisanship, and unify together as one nation and one family. As history has proven time and time again, Americans always rise to the challenge and overcome adversity. Our future remains brighter than anyone can imagine. Acting with compassion and love, we will heal the sick, care for those in need, help our fellow citizens, and emerge from this challenge stronger and more unified than ever before. God bless you, and God bless America. Thank you. Okay, so I just wanted to say one catch was that C-SPAN kind of kept the video going, and it was really cute to watch him just pause. And he was like, just standing there waiting for, yeah, we're done. And he's like, good, we're done. Now, I wanted to play that because a lot of people didn't get to watch it. Other people kind of saw parts of it, and it's important we listen to it. Now, we all know how we feel about this flu, each and every one of us in their own. I'm actually really, really upset. I wanted to get just a couple staple groceries <laughs> sent to me. But due to overwhelming deliveries, you had to have an excessive order and wait three days to get milk, eggs, you know, clementines and stuff like that. So I actually had to 
leave and go out and drive and get some because um, everyone's in panic and toilet paper's gone and hand sanitizer's gone. And I, and I actually looked at the shelves. Obviously, the vegan stuff were all intact. Uh, Tofurky was all all over the place. It was just, it was hilarious. And what I see is a lot of people are ordering food. Here's the other funny part. What this panic is doing, what the mainstream media has done is created full-blown panic. I mean, how do you know the person that makes your burger at Burger King or McDonald's isn't sick and isn't coughing or, you know, wiping their nose uh, while they're making your burger? How do you know, you know, when they're talking over the food they're making, a little bit of spit comes out. That's normal. I'm just telling you. I'm telling you stuff. And you're going to be like, oh, my God. This is, this is stuff. This is why Jeffrey Epstein wouldn't eat at restaurants. Do you guys remember that? He, he actually had given an interview. This is why certain individuals don't eat out. Because these are things that you know. Kind of like you know that in your chocolate, you're going to have like zero point some percentage of, you know, insects because there's insects in factories. You know, it's disgusting, but true. People don't like to think about it. So aside from, get, you know, walking around in public uh, with people that may be sick around you that might sneeze in your face, cough in your face, uh, you know, you have to think, uh, you know, you're ordering food that someone's making and you don't know what their, uh, you know, hygiene is like uh, and you don't know where they're at. I'm just saying. So me, uh, I'm taking it as a regular flu. Genetically, I know I'm not predisposed to it. Fair enough. But is it just a coronavirus? Uh, Because we see that there's surges in certain places. I can tell you that the person at CPAC had visited Italy most recently. I can tell you that the majority of the people, uh, I know that in um, certain states, uh, just like, um, what was it, uh, Minnesota, um, uh, Ohio, and um, uh, New Jersey, the people had visited uh, Europe recently and were sick. Now, coronavirus, oh my gosh. Now, the reason the president made that announcement is not like people traveling in just from Europe. It's goods. And you have to think, like, how much, how much does Europe trade? We talked about that. That's where we were at. See, I was, I was laying out the foundation to you guys yesterday on the show, right? We were talking about that, you know, kind of because my, my flies on walls are super good. I'm just saying, like, we talked about that. Like, we've just toppled the European economy that's asphyxiated anyway. Their infrastructure has collapsed with all these migrants. They're under extreme pressure. There's oil wars that Erdogan is like, should I switch the oh, the, the power on or off? Um, people are panicking and people are, oh, so the UK doesn't count? Well, you know, Brexit. And we're talking more about goods than people. And then for those people that have said, well, you know, they'll just come in through Canada or, you know, they'll just come in through Mexico, uh, you know, take a flight through there and then come, you know, it's like, no, where were you before that? Uh, remember, everything's just on record. When you're on an airplane, they're reading your messages. Uh, and you can laugh at that. I'm dead serious. So, uh, you know, bottom line is we're stopping the trade more than just the, the, the human movement. Okay. And 
that's done for different reasons. Now, I'm going to tell you about a new epidemic that's only for California that kind of sprouted out um, years ago as an ecological thing. But now, you know, with all the nastiness going on in California, I think they're going to have the same repercussions that Nigeria has been experiencing on another level. Uh, But before we get into all that disease, uh, I wanted to go straight to um, President Trump meeting with the Prime Minister of Ireland. Now, for all of you that don't know this, Ireland is part of the EU. So one would ask, well, hold on a second. Um, How is Ireland meeting with the president and why is Ireland... Um, you know, an exclusion to this, you know, ban, but not, but not the rest of the EU. Like what is going on here? We don't understand. Well, let me explain it to you. Do you know what's housed in Ireland? You guys, do you know in Ireland and both Ireland and Northern Ireland, which is part of the UK, do you know that that's like the, the mirror Silicon Valley? So, Ireland doesn't want their trade to stop and Ireland doesn't want to be on that list of we're not doing business with you. So Ireland got their tushy on the plane and flew out and said, okay, let's talk. Now everyone's like, oh my gosh, I can't believe the prime minister of Ireland is totally like talking Trump about loyalty and stuff like that. It's like, wow, butt hurt much. Uh, He's actually looking after them so they don't lose money. I want you guys to listen to this. Take a listen. With the Prime Minister of Ireland, we've known each other now for quite a while, and we have a great relationship, and a great relationship with Ireland, and uh, we have a lot to discuss. Uh, We will be uh, talking about the obvious, and we'll also be talking about the virus that's hit the world. I see uh, they've canceled their big soccer games, their championship games, and a lot of other games. They've canceled a lot over in Europe and all over the world, so this is a big world problem. Uh, we've taken some bold steps. We took the original boldest step of all when we closed very early with China. That helped us uh, save thousands of lives. And we went very early with Europe. And uh, I think that'll likewise be very good. And hopefully we can get it back together very quickly in terms of uh, reestablishing with China. That's on track to something happen fairly quickly because they've made a lot of progress over the last Uh, three or four weeks and uh, certainly with Europe we think we can go hopefully very quickly they have some hot spots that are really bad but uh, they'll get them better Germany I guess has some problems now Uh, France has some problems some pretty big problems and Italy of course is uh, probably record-setting in terms of what they've gone through Italy's having a very hard time Uh, but we think we'll reestablish very quickly once this ends and it's just a question of time and I think it'll go Pretty quickly, uh, stay away from uh, people and wash your hands and do all of the things that we're supposed to be doing a little bit anyway. But it'll be uh, it'll go very quickly. I know that uh, we were just talking that uh, Ireland's closed their schools. And uh, maybe I'd uh, ask the prime minister to say a little bit about what you're doing in Ireland yeah. having to do with what we're going through. Well, first of all, thank you, Mr. President, for having us again here today and going up to St. Patrick's Day. Um, just another opportunity, I think, to show how close Ireland and America are and how good our relationship is politically and economically yeah. and everything else. And St. Patrick's Day has become, I think, a symbol of how close 
uh, Ireland and America are and how we're going to continue to stay close uh, into the future. Um, the big concern in Ireland and Europe at the moment, as you know, is COVID-19 uh, and we've acted uh, just as you've acted decisively in the last couple of days. So uh, we have restrictions on travel, for example, at Italy for a few days already, but uh, as of tomorrow, uh, our schools will close, our creches will close. Um, we're banning all indoor gatherings of uh, more than 100 people and outdoor gatherings of more than 500. And this is all based on the right. public health advice right, sure. from, from our CDC that we need to do this for a couple of weeks uh, to make sure the virus doesn't spread. And we're particularly trying to protect older people and people with chronic diseases. So we've had about 30 or 40 cases so far, one death. But we were real concerned that that could rise, and that's why we're taking the action that we're taking. Remember, they have 30 or 40 cases for their 1 million people. We have, you know, about double that, and we have 300, 400 million people. I'm just going to show the difference between how the decisive action of our president, what he's done, has kept it at bay. Um, but as you know, it's, it's a virus that's gone pandemic. Um, it's all over the world, knows no borders, knows no uh, nationalities, and I think we all need to work together in the world on this. And America in particular, you're the richest country in the world, you've got great scientists, great companies, great universities, and we need them working on treatments, working on tests, and working on a vaccine. Oh, I just wanted to say, I don't know how many of you know, but the Cleveland Clinic actually yesterday... Um, solved so you know obviously president trump the first thing he did was nine days ago he provided everything they knew about the vaccine to hospitals so i've been like yip yapping with my little groups of uh you know biochemists and um virologists and it turns out the cleveland clinic actually um created a test where they can actually test for covid19 and get results within eight hours because right now it's between um 48 and 72 hours to get a result so i just thought i'd mention that in case you guys didn't know that broke last night um and that's pretty interesting that's 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 what will get us on top of this right and we're making great progress there i will say and i was the vice president this morning who right. i know is heading up the task force for right. you and uh, he gave me a lot of confidence that you're you're getting on top of this and you're investing in this. Right. Mr. President, could you confirm if Ireland will be excluded from your travel ban, that your, your European travel ban you announced last night? Well, they know, and I think it was very, made very clear last night who is and who isn't. Uh, and uh, we'll be discussing that. We'll be discussing some other moves that we're going to be making. And uh, I think it's going to work out very well for everybody. But you know, it's a world problem. And... Uh, you do need separation in some cases. You have some areas that are very heavily infected, and you have some areas that aren't, frankly. But uh, we do need separation for a little period of time in some cases. Just saying that, the, 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 pres the president, uh, president has excluded Ireland from the travel ban. Uh, and one of the things we have in Ireland is CBP, American Border Security in Ireland. Went through it myself yesterday, and they were asking the right questions, whether people had been to China, things like that. So... Um, that puts us in a slightly different position. And one of the reasons the uh, UK basically has been, uh, it's got the border, it's got very strong borders, and uh, they're, they're doing a very good job. They don't have very much infection at this point, and hopefully they'll keep it that way. Mr. President, um, there are many European leaders who are upset that they weren't consulted about the travel ban. Can you explain your rationale? Not well, we get along very well with the European leaders, but we had to make a decision and I didn't want to take time of, and, you know, it takes a long time to make the individual calls and uh, we are calling and we have spoken to some of them prior to. 
some of the majors prior to. But we had to move quickly. I mean, when they raise taxes on us, they don't consult us. And I think that's probably uh, one and the same. Uh, they've uh, done things. Uh, the European Union, as you know, has done uh, some very big tax raises over the years. Not so much with me, because I won't put up with it. Uh, but uh, they haven't uh, consulted us. And uh, in the case of uh, European Union, I've consulted with many people. Do you have any idea what the overall economic impact of these travel Well, it'll be a big impact, but it's a bigger impact, and it's also a human impact, which is more important, frankly, than the financial, uh, when you lose thousands of additional lives. As an example, if I didn't close uh, very, very early, uh, Leo, you know, we closed very early with China, and I took a lot of heat, including from you people, a lot of heat. They called me everything from a racist to everything else. It was terrible. And uh, the same people, uh, then they say, oh, he closed too fast. Why did he close? Most of them said, why did he close with China? That turned out to be a great move. What we did with Europe is uh, this was the time. And China, a lot of it came from uh, when, you, when you think of what happened to Europe, because it was very fast and very furious. And what happened is a lot of people went from China into Europe, and Europe suffered tremendously. You know, you see what's going on. And so I just wanted that to stop as it pertains to the United States. And that's what we've done. We've stopped. Mr. All right. Welcome back, everyone, to the Tory Says Show. Commercials got the best of me. And I always want to put uh, advertisements for things I care about. Um, you know, I I don't advertise things people tell me to. And none of these people are paying me to run their advertisements. It's just that I believe in it. And any of you that are my listeners that have a product I believe in, I'd be more than happy to advertise it for you as well. Um, and I'm not gonna, you know, I always put these up here. I have a lot of people that are running for Congress in different states that I'm kind of following, but I wouldn't put like my rubber stamp on. Speaking of rubber stamps, let's Let's move it along. We need to watch, um, first of all, uh, Pelosi. Congress, man, they were busy yesterday, right? They were busier than they have been for the past almost two years. Um, she's going to be talking. Uh, she talked about an hour ago uh, in regards to all these things. And she wants to talk about it when Pelosi's got fires to put out in her own backyard. Gavin Newsom is scared because there's a new epidemic creeping up that no one is talking about. Um, and it has to do with some rodent-like creatures called Nutria. And, you know, a lot of people um, think that certain viruses are to specific species, of course, um, like the African furred rat. Uh, but the Nutria is a rodent that has been completely causing a disruption in California because they're invasive like to the natural habitat but it seems that someone may have brought an African soft-furred rat and that the mastomis natanlesis um, 
you know, uh, has probably been crossed, mated, something with this nutria because there's something creeping and I don't think people are talking about it. And um, this is this is um, pretty scary um, because I'm hearing about it on back channels as if this stuff is buried. I'm, I'm, I'm hoping that the administration knows about this. But this is, you know, this is what happens when you have people pooping on the street. This is what happens when you, uh, you know, have needles and garbage everywhere. You know, you get rodents. And rodents carry diseases. The nutria is known to carry TB um, and many other viruses. And one of them is deadly. So um, before before we get into that, I really want to listen to Nancy Pelosi so you can see what she had to say today in response uh, to all of this. Uh, the day job uh, always goes on. And uh, today we're having continuing our conversations with the administration on legislation that puts families first. We're very proud of the work that the Congress did last week with an $8.3 billion dollar uh, legislation to meet the needs of, of social and health services organizations, state and local government, uh, testing, all the rest of that. Testing, testing, testing. So very, very important so that we can have an idea uh, of the uh, size of the challenge, but also that we, first and foremost, that we can meet, meet the needs of those who test positive. Uh, today we'll bring to the floor our family's first legislation, uh, which is what we talked about as soon as we finished the appropriations bill. Listening to our constituents, listening to healthcare professionals, listening to governors, mayors, etc., put the family's first uh, legislation together. Uh, it has a free coronavirus testing, uh, by and large, for almost everyone in the country. We're having some discussion about that with the administration and maybe some people they want to pay, but by and large, free corona uh, testing so that... Stop. Didn't President Trump already talk to them yesterday about this? So why is she talking today saying, oh, we're talking with them? And No, he already spoke to them. He already dealt with that when he distributed all the footprints of the coronavirus, asking for people to speed up the process on testing. So there is no, oh, we have coronavirus. Oh, guess what? No, we didn't. Okay, let's fast forward through that. We're doing all this. She didn't do anything. Oh, wait a minute. Did she just, um, does she look sick to you? Because she just uh, used the tissue on her nose. <laughs> In your opening statement, it sounded like you're open still to changing this bill or at least tweaking it for some of the Republican yeah. and White House concerns. Will you guys vote this afternoon? Are you planning to release your members to go home? Or will you keep Congress in session until there's a pres uh, bill on the president's desk? Well, we have a, <clears throat> whether we go home or not, is more related to the, um, but the health position, the capital position says, and what the, uh, the um, sergeant at arms and police chief and the rest say about what could come next that we have to deal with. Because uh, they make statements every day based on the current state of affairs. Oh, wow. Does she have coronavirus? Here in Washington, D.C. So uh, I do think that uh, some of the suggestions, what happened if we moved quickly because who knew that we would be in this situation? 
we passed the bill last week, immediately we knew we had to do more. And we had put, yet gone to paper, and we, when we had it, then we shared it with the Republicans. They made some uh, changes to it. We were negotiating uh, with um, Secretary Mnuchin. He had some suggestions, all very reasonable. I think that none of them is a prevent us from moving forward with the bill. We just have to, though, in the world that we live in, have language so that we can go to the bill and go to the floor. Uh, I don't think we will wait until there's a signed bill. We, we will do our work, as I said, sensitive to changes that have been suggested. Um, I don't think they're unreasonable. I, I, they're options that we considered in our own um, caucus. Some of them, and we went one route, they went over the other route. That's fine. But uh, we've all done our work, and we would hope that that would be an incentive for the Senate to move quickly because Senator McConnell, Leader McConnell, asked me to work with Secretary Mnuchin. We are. He had his concerns. We're addressing them. I don't hope they don't move the vote. So to be clear, so you think you can work this bill out today and pass that with potential changes, mm -hmm. and then the idea is that the House might go away well, with, the, doing, with the caveat. Step at a time. I'm not saying anything. We, we are here to pass a bill. When we pass a bill, we'll make a judgment about what comes next, uh, and we'll see the manner in which the bill is passed. So I'm not giving and what any are those other things that we're Legislatively, what are those? That's not the Legislatively, though. What are those other things that you see? Obviously, these are things you can do immediately, but what are those broader things that you might see doing in a couple of weeks? Let us get this bill passed first, and then we'll see what they're doing. Because the fact is, it's like the house is on fire. People are concerned about the, of course, their health and the health of their children. Uh, She's sick. Losing their jobs because nobody's coming to the restaurant or whatever it is. Uh, then uh, we have to be there with some help for them. And if the children can't go to school with the school clothes, they, how, how do they afford uh, child care? Well, this legislation affords them the opportunity to stay home on uh, somewhat of a paid leave for a while. So again, this is, we're addressing the realities of life, of family life in America, putting family first. We're not planning yeah, President Trump did that, not them. And I like to get it done and uh, gain credit for it. That's really sad. Let's skip over. Uh, for our staff who do much of that and our members who participate in that, everybody is not universally at the same, excellent at the same place in terms of technology. We want to make sure they're all the, their personal best when that, when that sets in. So it's about... I hope that much of what we're doing is redundant and that we don't have to engage in some of this. But if we do, uh, we want to be prepared. I want to present uh, the spread so if people have to stay home, they have to stay home. But we also don't want people to panic. So that's why we based any decisions about the capital, this or that, on what is recommended by the capital position and the <coughs> sergeant arms and the Oh, wow. People are coughing in the audience. Uh, fake stream media. Nancy looks sick. Master at Arms came out this morning saying, well, you know, you shouldn't have people here. I think this is like, this should close down. And it's like, please close down the Senate. 
please send them all home and let the sunset clause sunset. Because this time, it's not extending it for 90 days like they've been doing. It's extending it, get this, through the transition period of the Trump administration up until 2023. What? So that's pretty interesting. But before we get into these, let's look at um, uh, Doug Collins. He's actually in self-quarantine. He uh, spoke to Fox, um, who reported that Tom and Rita Wilson tested positive for COVID-19. So did um, Heidi Klum. So did... um, uh, (laughs) What was it? One, two, three, four cardinals, the Pope. Um, I'm trying to think. What was the, what were those actors' name in France? Macron's wife is sick, um, and that's just coming out. Not verified. Thought I'd throw it out um, because that's on Chatter. Uh, it's gonna be. It's a, it's a very highly specific uh, infection you got there. Take a listen. Capitol Hill. Georgia Congressman Doug Collins is one of several Republicans who have decided to self-quarantine after coming into contact with an affected person at CPAC. Joining us now live from his home is our headliner this morning, ranking member of the House Judiciary Committee and Senate uh, candidate Doug Collins. I appreciate your time this morning. appreciate you Skyping in, considering you are staying in. Uh, Why did you decide to do that? We did so out of abundance cause. Good to see you, though. And because we came in contact, it's been two weeks ago today. In fact, today is my last day. I'll be back out tomorrow. I'm asymptomatic. I don't have any. I've never had any symptoms of of the virus. But what we wanted to do was make sure that for out of abundance of caution, stay in and emphasize to everyone that if they follow the rules, they follow the protocols that are set out, that we can manage this uh, virus and we can do what is, is right. And I think by doing this, we're setting an example to say others, don't take it lightly, take it seriously, but also don't uh, panic. Make sure you're doing the right things, washing your hands, staying away if you're sick. And if you are sick, go to the doctor and get tested. Yeah, very important advice. And we're certainly concerned about your health and the health of all lawmakers, staff, everyone around the country, obviously. But this is also happening in a context where in the last moment, uh, we've just gotten a new statement from Senator Ted Cruz. He's also been self-quarantined, uh, as you know. Uh, I believe in Texas, he's now saying that his D.C. office is going to close temporarily. Uh, Senator Romney has done the same. There's at least one case uh, of somebody who's tested positive for coronavirus uh, in the office of Democratic Senator Maria Cantwell. So it's happening in that context, uh, Congressman, uh, while Wall Street is also suffering a very volatile day right now. uh, And a lot of people around the country are looking to you and other lawmakers to get the nation's business done uh, and, and working on an economic proposal that the president wants. How do you balance all that? sir. Well, it's been a large balance. And I think I've been at work all week down here. We've had other bills on the floor this week, FISA bills, and also now working. uh, I was just on a conference call with my colleagues concerning uh, our response. Look, I think you'll see a lot of other offices, especially next week. We're not supposed to be in next week. You'll see probably a lot of staffs working from home. Probably uh, in my, we're discussing that right now in my own office and making sure that our our DC office, because you will see it. We're already starting to see it a couple of cases. It looks like now on staffs on the Senate side uh, and others. So it is a very real concern. We want to stop it in its tracks. This is why the protocols are in place is so that we can identify those that are sick, isolate them, get them better, and so that others aren't infected. 
But in dealing with also this economic side, the president made it very clear last night that he is, is willing to help, but he wants to help in the proper ways. Simply throwing money at the situation right now without having the proper oversight. Even Democrats last night in the Rules Committee were very concerned about the fact that no hearings or anything were involved in this. We want to work bipartisanly together to make sure the American people have what they need from an economic standpoint, but we also it needs to be targeted to make sure that the economic uh, stimulus or the economic progress here is not simply just throwing money at a problem without any real solutions to making the economy or helping those who need help. Well, you can assume the market's looking for a solution because as you've been speaking, the Dow's been off more than 2,000 points and we can now report uh, that the Dow has fallen to its lowest level since July 2017. Uh, so looking at multi-year lows here and I'll, I'll let you know that our reporting from Capitol Hill as of this moment is that GOP leaders McCarthy and McConnell oppose House Democrats' coronavirus bill. The status of the bill is now in limbo. Congressman, how do you respond? I, I respond in, in, in unison with my with uh, our Leader McCarthy in this as well, and, I, and Mr. McConnell. Again, we need a stimulus package, but we also need something that actually will work. There's nothing that we've seen so far that actually stems this tide. Simply putting money into unemployment insurance when you have unemployment insurance, unemployment claims at their lowest. These are things that you work on as the situation develops. We need a stimulus now that if it works, help small businesses. Make sure that you get extended uh, leave. Those are the kind of things that could work into this bill. But right now, we've not been able to partner on this like we did with the the, uh, coronavirus package from last week Mm -hmm. in which we provided funds for the actual attacking of the virus and the response to that virus. That was bipartisan, over 400 votes. There's no reason why we can't uh, do this today and, and, and work on that uh, as we go forward. And I know our leader, uh, McCarthy, and others has talked to us, and Kevin Brady and others talked to us on uh, the conference call about why this is not a package that at this point we can support. But I know the president is committed to finding something that is uh, possibly going to work, and our leadership is committed to working with the Democratic leadership to find that. Yeah. Markets would be aware of that, and I think we just need to make sure that we have a focused response, and I believe that's what the administration is giving. Congress, Congressman, uh, in fact, you just mentioned the, the House Republican leader, Kevin McCarthy. We expect him to hold a news conference live in the next few moments. We, of course, will go there live to hear what he's saying about these economic plans, about the health response as well. Of course, uh, Speaker Nancy Pelosi expected to have a news conference later in the hour. We'll go there as well to hear from both sides. Uh, You're laying out the important economic response and what you want to see happen. What about the health response? About a week ago, uh, you were the president in your home state there in Georgia uh, at the CDC headquarters, and we've been hearing from the administration uh, that they're prepared on testing, and that if you want to be tested, you can be tested for the coronavirus. But a few moments ago, Sandra interviewed uh, interviewed Republican Senator John Barrasso, who, as you know, is not just a senator, he's a doctor, and he said he still has concerns that the CDC can really follow through on that. What assurances can you give the American people this morning? Well, I think the assurances that I have straight from D.C. and working with the and, and listening to the, not the president, but the vice president, the task force and watching this closely. The CDC is, of course, in my home state. We never forget. This is the group that also just a few years ago uh, was able to get under control of the Ebola virus. And, mm-hmm. and others. these are not people who are unaccustomed to dealing with hard uh, issues and they're dealing with it. And I think the issue that we have now is, is we need to make sure testing is there for those that are sick. What we don't need to have is rushing our health care system and rushing the, our public health system with folks who are just wondering if they have the virus. If you're sick, you have conditions, flu-like conditions, symptoms, 
then go get tested. But I think right now, if the testing is it's ramping up, the more test kits are available, we'll be able to, to make sure that anyone who has those symptoms are being able to be tested. I trust the CDC. It's always, as we look forward, though, we make sure that it is happening in real time. Mm-hmm. They're putting forward uh, the results. I think we'll see over time as that works out. But right now, I have every confidence that the public health officials all across this country in every state are doing everything they possibly can to make sure that they identify the proper cases, make sure that they're properly quarantined, make sure they're properly being treated, therapeutics are being developed, and a long-term immune uh, vaccine is being looked at as well. The big thing for people is is to not panic in this, but also to make sure that they're doing what is responsible. And one of the biggest things, and I've told people uh, this for the whole week that I've been here, is some of the simplest things are things that sometimes you forget when you believe it's a big crisis. This goes back to simple, basic personal hygiene. Go back to the sink, use soap, wash your hands. Don't go out and call phone people. If you're sick, stay away. Yep. And if you're uh, if if you are sick, make sure that you're treated. Those are the ways that we can make sure that we isolate this, stop it. It will continue to grow, but we can do so at a, at a much lower pace than we've Seems seen like in the rest of the world. We're learning a lot more about the spread of it and how long it can live in the air. Um, things we didn't even know yesterday or a week ago. So, uh, Congressman, there's still a lot to take in. As you can see, markets taking all of this in this morning. We wish you well as yep. you finish off your self quarantine. Yeah, self-quarantine there. While all these people are testing positive, even someone that met with the president, apparently, you know, obviously during CPAC, we had uh, Brazilian um, officials in town and one of them actually tested positive. And so uh, that one person uh, came into contact with the president. And now we're going to start on that, too. Huh? Uh, now, <laughs> I just want everyone to know that this flu is um, <sighs> is just being taken completely out of proportion. Uh, the president has taken extraordinary steps just to appease people uh, in order to avoid them saying he's not doing enough as they amplify the deaths and the infected yet, you know, swine flu and all those were worse, but hey. Um, I just want us to talk about this European uh, travel ban. Obviously, live, there's uh, Dr. F- um, Dr. Fauci and the CDC head uh, testifying about the corona. Do we have testifying for the H1N1? Come on! Like, I am so tired of this. But anyway, we want to cause you know, um, a big problem, and hey, now they're going to eat it. Uh, Lagarde, you know, the bully of the IMF and Merkel are really pissed. They're like, oh, my God, the money. We're going to tank the market, this, that. Yeah, we're going to tank. But, you know, my listeners knew from 2018 that we are going to tank the global markets. I've told you we're going to do that. And then once all the markets are done, we're going to have a rebound. And as we get that rebound, we're going to shut it down. Sayonara. Fed. And this is all coming as it is. I said there is going to be a collapse and then it's going to be like the market's going to be so huge. You're going to be like, what happened? Oh, okay. Maybe coronavirus. (laughs) Maybe (laughs) President Trump becomes president, um, you know, for a second term and everyone's like, yay, let's invest. And we see the Dow hit 35. 5,000. It's like, whoa, insanity. And then it's like, Merry Christmas. See ya, Fed. And then the whole world tanks again. Uh, I'm just saying. I mean, that could be a very plausible scenario because 
you know, uh, World War II was with tanks. World War Three is with banks. So uh, the money wars are on. Uh, people are uh, now talking about, hey, you shouldn't use cash. You, uh, you know, transfer diseases like that. I mean, I'm a really big, you know, Google Pay user um, only because I can turn it on, turn it off. And, and, you know, when you're budgeting, it really helps to be able to see things live. But I'm also a very firm believer of if it's in my hand it's in my hand no one can take it from me so I want us to listen to Pence uh, who joined Fox and Friends today to talk Uh, he had some very interesting words Restricting travel from Europe as COVID-19 is officially declared a pandemic. U.S. Vice President Mike Pence joins us live from Washington, where he's spearheading the efforts on behalf of the federal government. He joins us live. Mr. Vice President, good morning to you. Good morning. Yeah, good morning, all. Good to be with you. All right. We heard from the president last night where he talked about some of uh, the uh, initiatives, including, for the most part, cutting off all travel from Europe, with the exception of uh, England and uh, uh, Ireland, I think, things like that. Uh, What has been the reaction to the White House over the president's move last night? Well, I think the reaction uh, has been very favorable across the country. I mean, the American people have seen once again that President Trump has no higher priority than the health and and safety of the people of this country. Actually, 77 percent of Americans today have faith that President Trump can fix everything. That looks really bad for you guys going into election period with the president looking like the ultimate protector. How many times have I said, hey, you know what? I need a man like President Trump when I'm going into war because this guy's so cool. His tie moves out of the way and he pushes them out of the way, too. We've seen that. I I thought that was so boss. But this is reality. People trust that the president is going to make decisions no matter how unfavorable or what do they call it now? Racist. They are. They they looked so bad yesterday on TV. Don Lemon. We're going to listen to his, um, you know, breakdown. He really wanted Case to just attack him and say how bad he's doing. And I was actually surprised that, you know, John Case, instead of, you know, promoting the fact that, you know, his state, the Cleveland Clinic actually found a test that can test people for COVID within eight hours, wasn't even talked about. Incredible. But anyway, let's just uh, listen to what else uh, President Pence has to say. I just wanted to say that. And trump that a bit that 77 percent of the u.s you know trusts that the president is trying to keep him safe go back to when the coronavirus first emerged in january in this country the president uh, again just like he did last night he took unprecedented action in january to suspend all travel from china we quarantined any americans that were returning Uh, from China to put the health of America first. We issued travel advisories for Italy uh, and for South Korea. But now the reality is that the epicenter of the coronavirus uh, epidemic has moved from China and South Korea to Europe. Uh, Our task force has been tracking that. We brought that information to the president in real time. Uh, And yesterday he made the decision in the Oval Office to suspend all travel from Europe for the next 30 days. And to be clear, Steve, every American that is returning from Europe uh, will be screened as they return through 13 separate airports. 
and will be asked to self-quarantine for 14 days. It's That's amazing, right? That's how you fix things. That's how you inspire the people that you're supposed to be leading, that you're protecting them. So after the break, we're going to kind of just tidy this up, talk about the new virus outbreak in California. I'll see you in a bit. Real news. Welcome, everyone, uh, to the Tori Says Show. I'm your host, Tori, always here live uh, Monday through Friday, 12 to 2. So, um, you know, for some reason, time is escaping me. It's moving faster than I am perceiving it. Uh, you know, I'm constantly running it, probably because I'm having so much fun, because everything we talked about yesterday is pretty much happening now. Uh, you know, the deep fake is going to come along in Arizona. We're going to see that happen. Uh, but let's just take a listen to a few things that um, Vice President Pence tells us, like travel that the president has canceled, etc. Yes, take a listen. Here, in addition to preventing preventing the coronavirus from being brought in, and uh, what we learned from our health experts in the last uh, 36 hours was that uh, yesterday, as of the 35 cases where we had coronavirus cases, about 30 of those states, uh, 35 states, 30 of those states actually could trace the contact to someone in Europe. That's the reason the president took the decisive action he took. But make no mistake about it, we are also focusing on supporting efforts at the state and local level in California, in Washington State, and in California. CDC issued very strong guidelines for those communities Mm -hmm. about public activities, large gatherings, schools. uh, And and we'll, we'll continue simply to follow the data on this and make strong recommendations where we have what's known as community spread. Right. But for every American right now, as the president said last night, uh, it's, it's a good time to use common sense, wash your hands often, uh, clean, you know, often use surfaces. All that information is available right. at coronavirus.gov. So we're going to try and mitigate the spread in this country, but also prevent through the president's decisive action last night, people from bringing coronavirus into the right. United States so, any further and just, from Europe. Right. So just to clarify, you're not going to do what they did in Wuhan. You're not going to say Manhattan, you're locked down. Sacramento, you're locked down. You're not going to do that as of now, even though they did that in China. Well, what I promise you, Brian, is that we're going to work very closely with state and local officials to give them the very best counsel from CDC and our healthcare experts. I talked to the mayor of New Rochelle uh, yesterday, I know they've established a, a zone in their community for for extra countermeasures against coronavirus. I talked to the governor of New York, Washington State, and California yesterday about new specific guidelines for their communities. But uh, but I want to say to your viewers, just as the president said last night, the risk to the average American of contracting the coronavirus remains low. But we do know that seniors with serious underlying chronic health conditions 
are particularly vulnerable to very serious outcomes. And so we're encouraging best practices for every American. We're focusing on communities where we have community spread. But for any American that's watching today that has a family member, a loved one who's a senior citizen with a serious underlying health condition, this is a very good time to, uh, to help and to support them to sure. be able to, to avoid public places uh, and uh, everyone around them to engage in good hygiene and good practices to protect right. those that are most vulnerable. And, and, and the key is what is now referred to, Mr. Vice President, as social distancing, where you just keep a distance from people around you. If you've got to go to the grocery store, don't come up right behind them. You just never know who might have it. I know the president has called off his domestic travel. He's postponed a rally and a fundraising event. Uh, we know that the uh, NBA has suspended their season. The NCAA is going to do March Madness uh, without people in the stands for the most part. And then you've got Anthony Fauci yesterday who said, you know, it's probably going to get worse before it gets better. And there's a story out as well that says that last week Republicans in Congress were told there's a good chance that most people in the United States will be exposed to it. Uh, doesn't mean they're going to get it. But it could be out there. Right. Yeah. And so many people are going to test for it. And so many people are going to get sick from it. This is just the flu. And, you know, uh, sitting uh, far, far away from this, removing myself away from this, standing on the moon looking down, I'm like, all right, so this is only targeting really, really old and sick people and elites, by the way, very specific. And um, uh, we're panicking for the flu. While it's spring. Okay. Okay. You can't stop what's coming, man. You can't. But here's something you need to listen to. This happened two weeks ago. An unknown disease has killed 15 people in the northern part of the country. Medical experts say the disease does not appear to be Ebola, Lassa fever, or the coronavirus. With more details, here's Ifyok Etang reporting from Joss. The Nigerian Center for Disease Control, or the NCDC, has revealed that it is investigating the outbreak of an unknown disease. The outbreak of the disease first occurred in Obi local government area of Benue State on January 29th. The symptoms include vomiting, swelling, and diarrhea. The Director General of the NCDC, Chikwe Hekwezu, says the agency is taking the necessary measures to effectively manage it. The Nigerian Senator, Abba Moro, who represents the affected district, said a number of the victims all died within 48 hours. The Minister of Health said the illness did not appear to be Ebola or Lassa fever, two potentially deadly viruses that have plagued West Africa, nor did it appear to be coronavirus. The Nigerian Senate have asked the Federal Ministry of Health to further investigate the disease and also mobilize health personnel to the affected area. It is suspected that a chemical used in fishing in the region may be responsible for the deaths, but for now, water samples from the affected regions are being analyzed to try to discover the root cause. Ifyok Etang, CGTN, JOS, Nigeria. Huh. So something in the water while they're fishing uh, seems to cause an issue. But here's another thing that happened in Africa, too. Take a listen. Coronavirus storming China right now. Nigerian authorities have also announced increased emergency measures to contain the latest outbreak of Lassa fever in the West African country following the death of 29 people this month, January 2020, from the viral disease. 
As at the 24th, 195 confirmed cases and 29 deaths had been reported in 11 states in Nigeria. The Nigeria Center for Disease Control said in a statement on Saturday. A national emergency operations center had been activated to coordinate the response to the increasing number of Lassa fever cases across the country. Lassa fever is a viral hemorrhagic fever. It belongs to the same family as the Ebola and Marburg viruses but is much less deadly. The disease is endemic to the West African country and its name comes from the town of Lhasa in northern Nigeria where it was first identified in 1969. Previously, cases of the disease have been reported in Syria, Leon, Liberia, Togo and Benin where it killed at least 9 people in 2016. The virus is transmitted to humans from contact with food or household items contaminated with rodent feces or urine. The disease is endemic in the rodent population in parts of West Africa. The virus, which has an incubation period of between 6 to 21 days, can also be transmitted through contact with an infected person via bodily fluids and excretions, that is, blood, urine, saliva, sperm, vomit, and even feces. Lassa fever is asymptomatic in 80% of cases, but for some, it can cause fever, physical fatigue, nausea, vomiting, diarrhea, headaches, abdominal pains, or sore throat. Swelling of the neck or face can sometimes be observed. According to the World Health Organization, the antiviral drug ribavirin appears to be an effective treatment for Lassa fever if given early in the course of the clinical illness. Nigeria, being Africa's most populous nation with some 200 million people, has only five laboratories with the capability to diagnose Lassa fever. Oh, you know, dear. just like the corona. Okay, so now we have Lassa fever outbreaks plus coronavirus plus some weird disease that they think came from the water where they do some fishing they don't know, and then we also have this happening uh, in California, uh, but no one's like really talking about this. We're in a wetland in Merced County in search of finding nutria. Uh, we've had detections in this pond and so we've set up traps and some cameras to, in order to capture them and remove them. Our goal is to get out here and find them and eradicate them before they become fully established throughout our Central Valley. This one's going to go to our, our lab for a necropsy. Nutria are a South American rodent that uh, were brought into the United States back in the early 1900s during the fur trade. In the 1970s, they were considered eradicated in California. And then in 2017, there was a rediscovery of nutria back here in, in Merced County. Last year, we found that there were almost 90 nutria in this pond, and we removed almost every single one of them. And uh, this year, we're returning, and we found that uh, there are still a few nutria here. Most of our trapping efforts is with live traps, and we're using bait. And so that same bait that attracts nutria will also attract muskrats and, and some other species that are found here. And plus we have some that are just plain curious. The problem with nutria is that they don't stay in low, low densities. And once they become very widespread and in, in extremely high numbers, they will create major damage onto levees and, and vegetation. 
And so um, we only have an opportunity when they're in low density. So our goal is to get them before they're out of control and we don't have a chance to eradicate them. So there's no chance to eradicate these. Do you know what these rodents have? Tuberculosis. <laughs> and they carry the lassa from some breed that happened. So they're actually wreaking havoc in California, um, taking out the ecology of it. But on the same uh, uh, note, uh, we have a bunch of, remember, how are these uh, viruses from rodent borns happening? Through feces, urine, food you eat that has feces, urine. doesn't have to be just from the rat. And what are we seeing in California? Yes, I foresee that California will be shut down. I mean, just like they said, the virus knows no race or borders and, you know, no better state than the no border state like California to have all of the viruses. Speaking of that, what is the one thing that Italy has as a difference to the rest of the European nations to have been hit so hard with casualties? There's one difference, and we talked about it on this show, and that is that they had a massive migration wave. One of them happened in early 2019, where the woman with the boat was actually a human trafficker, remember? And it was like one of those big, <laughs> looked like a destroyer boat, packed with refugees from where? Oh, Africa. And... um and then we had a bunch, a couple thousand, I think it was tens of thousands in total that were going in uh, with dinghies uh, from the shores of Libya, but they were all African, if you remember, running down through Malta and Sicily and Italy. So this is telling you exactly what you need to know. I'm just saying. Now, the southern border, we were approved to ship back Mexicans that are waiting to come in like they're going to come. It's like, just go home. And they're not Mexicans, by the way. Ha, huh. what are the majority of the people down there? They're actually West African. Just saying. With a disease X that has an incubation period of God knows how long, and, you know, Lassa fever that has an incubation period of 6 to 21 days, and the coronavirus that we assume has a 14-day period as long as it doesn't mutate, you know, I'm just saying, this war is with banks, and even though we're seeing biowarfare, and biowarfare is tricky because that, that can backfire right quick. I mean, you need to ask Tom Hanks about that. But it's not where we're going. The ban isn't just on the human beings traveling, you guys. Okay? It's on the goods. It's on the goods. Do you guys remember, what was it back in the days where people were like, don't eat that banana because they injected it with a syringe with like HIV and it was going around Facebook and it was like, I'm not eating any bananas. Right. So biowarfare is a threat. And you have to have faith that those in power are not irresponsible. But yesterday I talked about faith in humanity and I told you my faith is, <laughs> is demonstrated by the fact that I look both ways on a one-way street because it's like I've lost faith that people follow the rules. Now tell me how you feel about the Democrats. Do they inspire you as someone that won't do anything to maintain power, that won't pull any trigger to move things? Hmm? Even if it backfires, I mean, Trudeau's under quarantine too, Macron's under quarantine too, 
his wife is sick, you know, and now they're throwing around, you know, the fact, oh, you know, the official that President Trump met with, you know, tested positive for coronavirus. Dude, our president's a germaphobe in the first place. After he shakes hands, he's got his little like pocket wash hand thing. So <laughs> that's the way he is. And he's actually healthy. Speaking of that, how many of you have seen pictures before and afters? I saw one floating around on Twitter yesterday where they were like, look at Bill Clinton the day he entered office. Look at him after his first term. It's like all white and messed up. Look at Obama. And then suddenly like, the, look at Trump. He looks better now. He doesn't look older. He looks way better. Huh? He's a boss. So uh, tidying up this whole, you know, um, issue with disease and uh, flus that are going to kill us. What we need to focus about is the FISA. We need to focus on is spying. We need to focus on the fact that <laughs> they had 33 different sessions yesterday. And that's dubious, if anything. So I want to remind us what Nunes had said Back in January. Take a listen. FISA warrant errors. The FISA court picks an Obama era attorney to oversee reforms. I'm not kidding. Wow. Critics say that David Kress has defended these FBI practices and even blasted our next guest over the now vindicated memo questioning surveillance of a former Trump campaign advisor. Well, uh, Congressman Devin Nunes says the FISA court could not have made a worse choice. He joins us right now, live from the Capitol. Congressman, good morning to you. Great to be with you all this morning. Thank you. I just got a note from somebody in D.C., works in the same building you do, says uh, the National uh, Security Division that he comes from does part of the actual FISA approval. So if he's going to be uh, one of the people trying to help uh, institute these changes, it sounds like to some this could be a little CYA. Yeah, I would also say it's more like the fox guarding the hen house. So this is somebody who should be nowhere near this, especially for his public statements that were so defamatory, really, in nature. Uh, you know, he was like wishing for House Republicans to be under Mueller's investigation uh, when we released the memo that was clearly pointing out the abuse that, by the way, the court should have already known. So. What's, what's inexcusable here is, you know, how did a new judge, if you were appointed during the Obama era, nothing against, you know, judges, but this is someone who, you know, who obviously hasn't been on the court for that long. Seems like there would have been, you would have wanted more of a veteran judge to take the place, the new spot on the mm -hmm. fist court. Then that judge, that new judge that was just, just replaced the old judge because I'm sure that old judge left because of the abuse. So this new judge then gets eight individuals. Remember, there were eight individuals that this judge could have picked, according to the documents that we've read. And you pick the only one that is very public and very nasty. You know, it's really, to me, it looks like uh, this is the swamp trying to say, we don't care what you say, Congress. We don't care about mm -hmm. Republicans. We don't care about the Trump administration. We don't care about the rest of America. We're going to continue to conduct business the same way we've always conducted business. And I will tell you, I, I said this in a, a statement the other night, the court must be trying to abolish itself or they must be trying to dare the Congress to abolish itself. I think these tools are very important to protect Americans mm -hmm. from terrorists and others, but, but not if it's going to mean that the Democratic Party gets to use these tools to attempt to remove presidents and target political operatives when they want to. I, I'll, I'll choose, I'd rather get rid of an abolitionist court than be left with that. 
Tell the folks at home exactly what his role will be. He'll be overseeing reforms. But what exactly does that mean? Can you give us an example? Well, we don't really know. Uh, we saw a series of reforms that were laid out by the FBI director uh, on Friday, along with the appointment of this individual. Uh, at, other than that, we really don't know. Um, but look, I, I think Republicans are going to have to take a hard look uh, at, at how we're going to move forward uh, and to continue to protect the American homeland, uh, but not with a process like this. Get rid of them. Don't, don't let it stand. Just, just, I mean, can, who put them there? I mean, the well, FISA we, we court put them we, there, so someone's yeah, got to get rid of them. Get, it's not going to work. We, well, we can't get rid of them. I mean, look, you have a new judge that I, I don't know this new judge. Maybe he's fine. He's an Obama judge. That then picks the very worst person or one of the worst people that you could find in the swamp. Well, let's see what. Well, aren't we happy that we have Nunes now in as ODNI? I'm just saying, are we not happy? Because he gets to oversee the two people that I've been saying are under investigation, Horowitz and Storch, right? The IG of the NSA and the IG of the DOJ, both uh, under the glass and being taken a really deep look into them and they're going to be coming to the forefront soon i mean we've already seen a lawsuit against a former ig so this is going to get really heated really quick now one thing we need to ask ourselves is this usa freedom bill (laughs) that the house passed that nadler sponsored it's very interesting. Interesting on the fact that um, it's uh, very telling. Remember how I talked about in the fall how, hey, what are they doing? They're uh, going to extend the sunset clause on, um, you know, surveillance and stop this. And I was the only one tweeting about it. And then, oh, on the day that they pass it, everyone's like, why are you going to pass it? This. Uh, so I started the, the narrative earlier. And what I want to point out is I was tweeting, tweeting. I was telling Mark Meadows, take a look, take a look, take a look. Now he's our chief of staff, which is great. But this is how you know who's working for the people and who aren't. I am very disappointed in someone that I consider a friend in Congress that voted yes. See, the thing about uh, the um, the way they monitor and surveil us and how they sneak in their little things is that they sneak them in in the bottom of the page and a very good friend of mine by the name of Gavin said you know it's almost like you're reading Hebrew when you read legal documents you got to start from the bottom and specifically this one was in section 407 of the bill and it says and I quote Sunsets extends the relevant provisions of the USA Patriot Improvement and Reauthorization Act of 2005 and the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act of 2004 until get this December 1st, 2023. The effective date is whichever comes first between the date of enactment of this act or March 15th, 2020. So they want this effective as of March 15th, 2020, or the date of enactment, whichever comes first. Hold on a second. So if they don't pass the bill, um, 
uh, on March 15th, then is it null and void? This is a pretty curious statement. Let's read that again. The effective date is whichever comes first between the date of enactment of this act or March 15th, 2020. It's pretty interesting that they put that verbiage in the end of it. But it's also important to mention that in Section 406, they made amendments to the Intelligence Reform and Terrorism Prevention Act, which relates to the term of the members of Privacy and Civil Liberties Oversight Board. It actually establishes a term of six years and notes that the person can be a Appointed can be reappointed so they don't have to leave that spot. There's no term limit on that and specifies that the vacancy shall be filled in the manner in which the original appointment was made and adds that even after a member's term expires, that person can continue to serve until the member's successor has been appointed and qualified. Very interesting verbiage, making sure that there are no term limits because, you know, they can still be part of it, as they say. And that's pretty interesting. Another part of it says that there's mandatory reporting on certain orders. The Administrative Office of the United States Courts to include not just the number of search terms and queries concerning a known U.S. person, but also those search terms and queries that are reasonably likely to identify a U.S. state's person. Um, what does that mean? It makes exceptions, though, concerning information held by the FBI for what might be included in the report. Again, giving power to one of the most rogue law enforcement agencies that we've seen, the FBI, to be able to redact information and not provide it to the courts. Maybe what? Give them blank papers as fillers and say, just trust us. It's there. Just give it to us. I'll see you in a bit. All right. Welcome back, everyone, uh, to the Tory Sess Show. Now, I want us to kind of like pick apart this FISA bill. Before I do, I wanted to say thanks to all my listeners. Um, ever since I switched my platform uh, where I upload uh, my radio shows live as podcasts, um, Apparently, I've surpassed 50,000 downloads, not streams, since uh, the end of December. So it's been, what, one, two, two and a half months? 50,000 downloads? Wow, right? Uh, so thank you to all my listeners. And thank you to all my subscribers on Subscribestar that have given me some nice little juicy topics. I'm seeing that a lot of you um, have been DMing and messaging me. That's where you can actually message me and we can have a conversation. I get on there like at least once a day um, to answer questions. But you guys want to hear about Chief Justice Roberts. And I think 
um, that shouldn't be coming yet. That'll be at the end of March um, as, uh, you know, SCOTUSgate starts to develop. Um, and uh, you guys wanted more on the IMF. That's going to be coming too. Because right now what I'm trying to do is give you a little bit insight to understand the power structure and um, uh, the little pockets of things you don't know about that you kind of think you know about or maybe heard about that'll make everything make sense to you uh, because transparency is key. And speaking of transparency in regards to this, we have to be uh, pretty aware that you know, this bill that passed the U.S. Freedom Reauthorization Act of 2020, which is garbage, was actually bipartisan-ish because 152 Democrats voted for it. 75 Democrats said, uh, no. 126 Republicans voted for it and 60 said no. So, you know, I'm hoping that we could ask, hey, did you even read the bill? How are you okay with this? How are you okay that we're extending sunset clauses that, you know, give the NSA full immunity to do whatever they want and completely access everybody's phone calls? I'm not happy with the fact that if I piss someone off that they could just access my phone calls and listen. I mean, they already do. But I'm just saying, like, I'm, I am pissed off. I can't have a private conversation. It's like, hey, when, I, when we meet up and we walk in the woods... We'll talk about it. And, you know, you've got to carry around, you know, your own little special bag where you could put your phone in, right? Your Faraday bag. I hope all of you have gotten one of those, you know, so that way you can have a conversation where no one's listening. It's ridiculous. I mean, I just have to assume when I talk with my sources, um, well, I know they have to look. Well, she say a little bit more than she should. But, you know, when I talk with my source, I have to just assume that they're listening to everything. Every, because they are. They have all of them. And that's the thing. It would also not only do that, but it will... Um, um, it will also move uh, to uh, FISA judges. It actually... Um, helps how do i i want to say fisa judges usually are it's like a it's it's like a grand jury thing you know uh you know you can indict a ham sandwich right because i could just go down there and say look my name is fbi so and so and so and so did this and look at this and this is evidence and it couldn't be videos just like his friend said that they saw him walk away with that bottle and that person said and that person said and you're not there to defend yourself and the judge is like okay so um, that's a normal process. And um, FISA judges will be able, under this law, consider and say, well, maybe I want an external party to give me an opinion on the government's position. Like, are they biased coming by themselves and no one can defend themselves? Can you take a look? And, you know, right now, judges are already doing that when something new comes to them. Like, I don't know, why didn't she, why didn't Judge Collier, remember, I'm the only one that wrote about her years ago. I'm the only one that pointed out she's a problem. I've pointed it out many, many times. But think about it. This law is saying it's expanding <laughs> their, their ability. To, it's already there. 
when you're addressing something that's new, that's never happened before, like let's surveil a candidate for U.S. president. That's kind of new. Unless it's been done before and they're not telling us. And, you know, they go to someone else for counsel if they need some clarification. Well, why didn't she ask for some clarification? Like, the guy works for the DIA. Maybe he was in that country because he was talking official intelligence business. Oh, yeah. But she didn't know that for sure, sure, because they omitted that email. And who's to say that the third party <laughs> isn't, you know, on their payroll? They're all like a click. This is the most stupid thing ever. The most stupid thing ever. And, uh, you know, <laughs> they're supposed to be protecting people and they're supposed to <laughs> it is the most ridiculous thing I've ever seen and all this fluff is in there to push the sunset clauses so it's not changing anything in regards to what you and I want which is to be able to maintain our civil liberties to be able to maintain our private papers and all of this and you know it um it makes no changes as that. Uh, and that's it, basically. Uh, you won't be able to see things. And, uh, you know, FISA applications that are being done are done from, uh, are done, you know, when they do FISA applications. Those are actually uh, pushed forward on behalf of stuff that they've collected from wiretaps and searches. So, you know, I'm just saying, like, this is ridiculous. Why are we doing this? Why are we making this all encompassed? You have to think about it. You have to think about it. So uh, it's um, a problem. And the fact that they had to say that if you make a false statement in the FISA court, um, it's going <laughs> to be a problem. Like, um, it should be a problem anyway. Um, that isn't something that you know uh that should i mean you should be in trouble if you lie to a judge regardless i mean all of these clowns lied to the judges with these FISA applications so that's pretty interesting it also says that the government can't use business records to collect information like um cell phone collection data um, that in a criminal investigation re requires a search warrant because it has a higher legal standard. So, so now everybody, what this is telling you is if you're a spy, make sure you work for a bigger company because then they can't wiretap your phone or your, or your work's email. Are you kidding? This bill is supposed to be helping us. I mean, this is, this is ridiculous. This is, I don't know how they passed this and why they passed this. This shouldn't have been done. Look, you want to know the skinny on the FISA bills? It's, it's super duper simple. FISA, just for all of you that don't know, stands for Foreign Surveillance Act, okay? And basically, the House had passed um, on January 11, 2018, a FISA bill to renew key national security agencies, NSA, surveillance program things, okay? 
And I just wanted to say that the House passed it with 191 Republicans saying yes, which are now gone, by the way, uh, the majority of them, and 65 uh, Democrats, okay? So there were 65 Democrats that said yes, 191 Republicans that said no, of 64 of them are gone now, so okay, we still have more to take care of. So they passed this bill uh, to renew these key things. The bill actually allows the government to conduct foreign surveillance on U.S. soil for six more years, though there are sunset clauses on how that applies to the people. Now, at that point, President Trump had actually tweeted out, wow, the House voted on this FISA Act today. It's an act that may have been used with the help of the discredited and phony dossier to do to badly surveil and abuse the Trump campaign by previous administrations and others. So this act that they already passed, right, in 2011 was how they abused their authority to make the dossier. With that being said, President Trump says, I have personally directed to fix to the unmasking process since taking office. And today's vote is about foreign surveillance of foreign bad guys on foreign land. We need that. Okay, let's get smart. So he made it clear as to the abuses, but the good things that come out of it too. And we had, you know, Justin Amash, who was Republican then, and now he's a Democrat saying, Oh, you know, they're storing and spying on Americans. And lots of people advocated for changes within that bill and they were not successful. You know, you know, one simple change is I want a warrant to be required to access data about Americans that are in touch with foreign targets. So what if you, like are playing video games and the person that you're playing with is a foreign target at that point you don't they don't even have to go to court and ask for a warrant you can be completely a nobody and they will be poking into every single portion of your life without you knowing and that's not right that's completely unconstitutional that the law enforcement can look into every facet of your life with no warrant and that's authority that we have given them. And the people aren't, um, you know, getting themselves, you know, their rights um, preserved. This is the United States of America. This isn't communist China. The bill only requires that agencies have to get a court order if they want to use the information on criminal cases. So that means they can use anything they want. They can poke into any aspect of your life as a private citizen they want. But the only time that they need a warrant, you know, is when they find stuff from the spying that they've done on you that could be a crime. And then they apply for a warrant to say that we're officially now monitoring because there's a crime. And based on what we heard and found, you're now going down. We know you stole that lipstick. You're ours. You see what I'm saying? So this is, this is wrong. They're spying on you to find it. So, so basically, they're fishing to find a crime. 
So um, that law, the the FISA Act, was supposed to um, expire on um, January 19th, and they passed it on January 11th, and then it was, you know, obviously pushed forward. These are atrocities that these people in the House and in the Senate do all the time. I'm extremely pissed off that, you know, no one called them out. No one said, you know, why is no one talking about this? Why is no one, you know, pointing out that we're just allowing them to continue the same thing again and again and again? Why are we allowing them to do it? No one is complaining about it. It seems like, you know, we're asking for it. We're just like, yeah, you know, whatever. Hmm. Look, um, one, one thing that I can say is we're seeing the left in full panic mode. They have no restrictions on how they're going to come at us. And they don't care how many people, innocent people, come in through the crossfire. Crossfire, they don't care. They don't care. That is pretty incredible. That they don't care what happens to you, what happens to me, what happens to your neighbor, your mother, your sister, your brother, your kids. What they care about is maintaining uh, their seat in power. And you see it from the way they act. I mean, okay, like yesterday I had a troll, Megan Kelly. Like, come on, girl. Like, you're so not relevant. She was like, I'm so frustrated right now that we can't trust the media to tell us the truth without inflaming it to hurt Trump. That Trump has misled so many times. We no longer know where to trust his word. That even I, as a journalist, am not sure where to turn for real info on COVID. Well, did she feel the same way when she was a journalist about Ebola and SARS and H1N1? Obviously not. Because back then, they used to get their marching orders from the seventh floor, and they would stick to the script and nothing else. Propaganda. Period. Now, no marching orders. You report to the people, and that's the way it is. Now, I wanted to point out something very important for you so you can understand how this virus has been going. So remember um, when I told you that Italy is most affected because they had all those mass migrants show up, you know, the same ones trying to get through to Greece, right, Um, from North Africa, right, because this is North African, um, you know, it has an affinity for North Africans too, just saying. Um, Well, they were all migrants, and they have had seven over 7,000 people testing positive in Italy, northern Italy, right? Northern Italy, where, oh, you want to guess what's there? Oh, yeah, where all the migrants go so they can flood into France and Spain and move on through Europe. They never get through Switzerland. So they always stop kind of in the middle where Lombardia is because what they have there is um, uh, a lot of work, So uh, there are actually factories (laughs) um, in that area, I kid you not, like little sweatshops. And what else? You want to guess? Direct flights from Lombardia, Italy, to guess where? Wuhan. But, you know, it's not the Wuhan virus that's racist. But we already talked about that last week, how they were going to tell us we were racist because we're calling it the Wuhan flu. Look, it originated there. 
it escaped from there. It came out from there. There's no shame in that. Happens to everybody, right? At one point, things just escape and you get called to blame. That's basically it and no big deal, right? Yet, for the mainstream media, it is a big deal. We're supposed to call it the Trump flu. It's his fault that we're all sick. We hate him. You know, it's kind of like one of those uh, nasty, you know, people on Facebook, um, weaponizing people. Oh, my God, we hate that dude. Let's get him. And they're just like, oh, dogpiling. This is exactly what Don Lemon, you know, uh, who tried to orchestrate the noose around my neck with his, you know, side piece, Jussie Smollett, um, who's now in jail. He actually orchestrated that whole thing, you guys. Remember? He put him in touch with the morning shows. Cue cry. Cue this. <laughs> you have to cry. You have to smile. You have to say how you hate white people, even though your dad's a five foot four Russian, white Russian, just saying. These are the things you need to look out for. Their attacks are going to get worse. They're going to get worse, super worse. Listen to this interaction between Don Lemon, right? And John Kasich. And just look how upset he is that he couldn't say any more bad stuff about Trump. Straight accurate you know information what, from this president yeah. and this administration, and we're not yeah. getting it. And I don't understand why you are tiptoeing around it. He came out, gave an address that oh, that usually you know ha- that happens very rarely, and he doesn't get it right? It's really killing me. Like, I can't seem to, to sort this out. It's not letting me sort out my sound today. It's been all over the place. I know that um, audio down in D.C. is working hard on this, but... This is incredible. Okay, here we go. Let me get this right, because two clips were playing at once. Say, if the president came I, out uh, to calm okay. people's fears, he didn't do a good job of it because they've had to come back and clarify it several times. And th- if this has been going on long he, enough I, for them to get it okay. straight, we need straight accurate you know information what, from this president yeah. and this administration and we're not yeah. getting it and i don't understand why you are tiptoeing around it he came out gave an address that oh that usually you know ha- that happens very rarely and he doesn't get it right i'm going to tell you first of all he read it and somebody that wrote this look i don't want to get into that he what was well, on I know. today that's why you're here to talk about the president's can I, can address can i finish now no, but, no, 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 no you Let can't john john because we're here to talk oh, about I the president's talk? wait we're here i don't want you to, i don't want you to go on and deflect and talk about something else because we're here to talk about the president's address and and you said that someone else wrote it he's the president even if someone Look, else he, wrote it it should be i know right. he did and he has to be resp- don don he put the, he put this thing out because there was some confusion out there. Okay, this now there's more confusion, John. And what I'm look look I'm gonna, I'm trying to say to you, Don, we got to move down the road. Looking back doesn't get things fixed. We're not, not looking back. The president's address. The president's address was tonight. That is the newest I information. I think tonight will is I the president's address. I think it was fine. That's what I think. You, you think the wrong, you think me. inaccurate information that you have to come back right and clarify tone. two or three times, you think that's fine? I, I, look, I thought he did fine. That's what, what I thought. Clarify? I thought he had the right tone and he no longer played around with, we're going to blow. 
guys, his face was so pissed. And what did the president come back and clarify two or three times? You heard the speech in the first hour. Did you hear any clarification? Blame Democrats or we're, forget this stuff. He, he's, I hope he's trying to move forward because he understands the seriousness of this situation. Now, the fact that they clarify, it isn't unusual in a speech for somebody to, to clarify something, okay? But I don't think that the tone he showed tonight takes away from some clarification. I think he set a serious tone. That's what I wanted out of him for a long time, and I think we got it. John. That's what I think. And I, I think can we be need serious and yes. sit here and tell you four plus four equals 85. Yeah, you sat there with a somber tone and told us how Jussie Smollett was such a victim and how you called him and you were the first person to speak to him in the hospital. How devastated you are because you had met him a couple times. We know what side piece means. And, you know, uh, you know, and we're supposed to trust you, Don. Freely? This is, he had a meltdown. And for those of you that are asking me, so Lombardy Lovardia is actually, you know, in the Milan. <laughs> I guess he won't be buying any clothes from Milan. And I guess we're going to be hearing a lot of uh, models maybe getting sick too. Uh, but yeah, that's where they had direct flights to Wuhan uh, from Italy. I'm just saying. Uh, so I guess when that outbreak happened, people started flying into Italy. And um, uh, that's where most of the migrants work at factories that are owned <laughs> by the Chinese. So I'm just saying. Um, and now we're seeing a lot of people talking about what products can kill uh, the coronavirus, what can happen. Come on, man. Lysol, spray it on your doorknob every now and then if you've got a lot of people opening it up. And, you know, that's it. Um, also, there's a, a hot mic that catches President Trump uh, right before the presidential address. I just find it really, really quite cute, you know, at the end where he was like, all right, we done? It actually caught him panicking a few seconds before the coronavirus address, and C-SPAN actually has it. And you can, um, you know, um, listen to this. Listen. The address? A what? Oh, fuck. Uh-oh. I got a pen mark. Anybody have any white? Do you have any white stuff? He's talking about white yeah, out. It's much better to just close it. I think it, 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 the way it's closed, you can't see it. Where is it? Three minutes. Mr. President, we're ready for a mic check, please. You, you see it? You don't see it. Which side is it on here? It's on the right side. Oh, uh, he was just trying to make sure that everything was perfect. But, you know, hot mic that just shows you that he still gets nervous because he's addressing all of us. I find that more, you know, uh, I'm more appreciative of that than, you know, mocking it. I kind of like that. And, you know, that those are like good blooper moments where they show you a good insight to what it is. Though one thing I want to say is a lot of people are upset, you know, people that have paid for vacations to come to the U.S., people that have paid for vacations to go outside the U.S. Um, because of this escalated panic that's really unnecessary. Okay, it's actually really unnecessary. Um, but well, if it wasn't, un it wouldn't be unnecessary and everyone's, you know, <laughs> getting sick. It's like, yeah, same thing happened with the swine flu and you're here, I'm here, we're all here, it's all great. And it's not St. Patrick's Day, but we're seeing a lot of green around, even Nancy Pelosi wore it. 
makes you wonder. Anyway, on that note, I wanted to tell you guys, God bless. And um, tomorrow, same time, same place. And things are really picking up now. Um, Hopefully we'll have some martial law imposed on specific states. That way we can clean up a bit. God bless.